Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Ogumbawale for the win! You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Welcome back to another episode of Locked on Women's Basketball. I am your Tuesday-Thursday host, Erica Lindsay Ayala. And if you haven't already checked out Locked on Wizards, go over there. Renee and I had a great conversation about the WNBA semifinals. I made a few predictions. It was amazing to be on with Renee, who does an amazing job, of course, with Locked on Wizards. Always nice to have a little crossover. So go check that out. I'll have the link over to Locked On Wizards in the show notes. And so if you want my thoughts on the games coming up today, that's the place to go because Thursday, it's Thursday here on Locked On Women's Basketball. That means we are focused on social justice. And there's some things that we're going to champion that are amazing um, initiatives that the WNBA is participating in. And unfortunately, we got some news regarding the grand jury indictment in the Brianna Taylor case. So we will update that as well as I'm going to give you a quick rundown of the playoffs and um, some updates from teams as far as who we can expect in the lineup tonight. All that coming up on Lockdown Women's Basketball. So before I get into, we're going to talk Breonna Taylor, grand jury indictment, or lack thereof. We're going to talk Hooper vote. Um, the Hoopers register to vote day is today. That is September 24th. I'm going to give you the details. But first, let's go over just a few quick things, what you can expect from the semifinals. So we saw Connecticut versus Las Vegas. They kept the series moving. They did play on Sunday. For those who may not know by now, the WNBA, um, and you can listen to Tuesday's show for a little bit more of that, but they postponed the game one versus Minnesota and Seattle due to three Seattle players having inconclusive COVID tests. All of that got sorted out, but the Connecticut Las Vegas series is one game ahead of the Minnesota Seattle series, but both will play tonight. So Connecticut and Las Vegas, that series is tied. We got news and words. Shout out to Alexa Philippou and a few others that cover the Connecticut Sun regularly. Saw the tweets that Alyssa Thomas, um, who injured her shoulder on Tuesday night, is um, officially out, not available for this game tonight. Game three versus Connecticut and Las Vegas. Connecticut won pretty handily with AT in game one. Game two, Connecticut showed some fight, showed some bite. But at the end of the day, MVP Asia Wilson carried Las Vegas to that game two win. Game three, going to be a big one. Whomever wins tonight takes the series lead. When it comes to Minnesota and Seattle, again, a little bit of uh, difficulty for both teams 
being ready to play, finding out in the 11th hour, more or less, that the game would be postponed. Of course, Seattle players, it sounds like they had two players that were able to participate in shoot-around Tuesday. One player, they were waiting on that test uh, that uh, really didn't get to see much time. We don't know who those players are. That has not been disclosed. But this was a close game. Game two is going to be good. Um, I think Minnesota can clean up some of the things that they didn't quite execute in game one, including getting Crystal Dangerfield more involved. I think it's going to be a good one. But again, go listen to Renee's show, Locked on Wizards, if you want to know my picks. Other thing, as far as some housekeeping, we got an update today that Candace Parker received the Defensive Player of the Year Award. Um, this is the first WNBA Defensive Player of the Year Award for Parker Uh, This is her 13th season. Now, let me set up a few things for you. If anyone, I I have a Verizon wireless account, so I get Disney Plus for free for another few months at least. And anyway, so Disney has this amazing show. And I got to learn a little bit more about Candace Parker from this series. There's a few other athletes and um, actors profiled. But um, in the Candace Parker episode, it really talks about how... Candace had to learn and think differently about defense because she was coached by the late, great Pat Summit. And so defense has always been huge for Candace. She said before that winning an award like this would be amazing. And I think actually um, there's some media availability that's going to happen later today, but before, um, but uh, after, I should say, me recording for today. Uh, it means a lot to her. Uh, Parker received 16 votes from the panel of 47 sports writers and broadcasters. And uh, in this season, she averaged uh, 8.0 defensive rebounds, 1.23 block shots. That was eighth best in the WNBA. 1.8 steals in 22 games average, obviously. Uh, One of only five players to average at least one block and one steal per game. Joining Nafisa Collier, Brianna Stewart, uh, Brianna Turner and Asia Wilson. Um, so Candace Parker wins. Congratulations to Candace. I don't get a national vote, but Candace Parker was not really in my top, definitely not in my top two. I thought Alyssa Clark or Alyssa Thomas should have won for this season. And I was on a podcast, I believe it was Dish with Pepper, and I was talking about how I, I just, it's really tough for me to give Defensive Player of the Year to a player that's not on the Seattle team that has the best defense in the league. Um, I don't always believe, you know, MVP, best player on best team, but for defense, especially because there's not a lot of metrics when it comes to defense and you are completely reliant on on the team for defense, I kind of do like that as a metric. So that's my two cents, but nonetheless, congratulations to Candace Parker. Um, So I want to... In the next segment, actually lead off by talking about another member of the Los Angeles Sparks who partnered with Rock the Vote. You might have remembered me talking about that a few weeks ago. That is, of course, Chelsea Gray. And again, today, 
is a special day. It's the Hoopers Register to Vote Day. Uh, National Voter Registration Day was Tuesday. I talked about that on Tuesday's episode, but this is specifically the basketball community really getting behind voter registration and education. So coming up next, we're going to talk about Chelsea Gray and a few other basketball players, especially on the women's side, that are really taking up this campaign. You need good pieces in order to make the engine run. And that's why I want to send you over to our friends rockauto.com. It is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. If you head over to rockauto.com, you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car, your truck, whatever your vehicle. And make sure you type in Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. I mentioned Chelsea Gray as we were leaving the last segment. Chelsea Gray partnered with Rock the Vote earlier this year. And in that partnership with Rock the Vote, she committed 50 of her own dollars for every assist that she got. The Los Angeles Sparks announced that they were going to match that, meaning that for every assist that Chelsea Gray dished out this season, $100 would go to Rock the Vote as well as Equality California. And that was something that was announced earlier in the season that was announced uh, August 28th spoke to Chelsea and had some of the clips from that. So now that the season is over, uh, let's see what the total for Chelsea Gray is um, in order to have this effort. So Chelsea's program was called uh, Assist for Equality Program. And in this season alone, I mean, some know her as the point god, That was a whole conversation this season. A little spice, a little tea, a little wobble tea for this year. And so Chelsea averaged 5.3 assists per game. She had a total of 116 assists. So she had 116 assists. Multiply that by $100. That's $11,600 that will go to Rock the Vote and Equality California. So the proceeds will be split. So that means that it's 5000 It's almost $6,000 for each organization. $5,800 to Equality California. $5,800 to Rock the Vote. Actually, you know what? And I don't know. I might need to do that math again because how many assists did she have in the playoff game? A few more. So it might be a little bit more, but still almost $6,000 for both of those organizations, which leads me to wanting to talk about um, the Hooper's Register to Vote Day. It's a, a campaign that also partners with Rock the Vote. Um, and this is a custom Hooper's Vote 
Election Center. And players, team personnel, fans, and all of the basketball community um, are invited to check out the resources that Hooper's Vote has. Um, There's a PSA that's going to be running, and you can go to hoopersvote.org. Here's what Chelsea Gray had to say about the initiative. Voting at the national, state, and local level is a huge part of our democracy and is pivotal for shaping the future of our country. Sitting out this year is not an option. I challenge everyone, especially all my fellow hoopers out there, to join me in registering to vote so our voices can be heard. Carolyn Swords. Now, Carolyn, um, as a member of the executive committee, going back to, I believe, at least 2018, has been very active in getting the WNBPA in particular active in voter education registration. And so this is what Carolyn Swords had to say in um, media the other day um, when asking about the Rock the Vote, but also about Brianna Taylor. And that's going to take us into our next segment where we're going to talk about the grand jury. But um, here's what Carolyn Sword said when I asked her about really building out these movements, not just campaigns, not just t-shirts or bracelets, but true campaigns. And uh, here's what Carolyn had to say. Carolyn, I know that you are one of the players that's always been a champion of the WNBA using its platform to promote voter registration education. Um, and we've seen that come to pass, obviously, yesterday in particular. Um, but, but my question is, in championing something like that, while also championing justice for Breonna Taylor, and of course the news coming today that uh, there's, a, I believe it's a wanton endangerment is the only indictment that the grand jury offered. Um, you know, now, how do you um, or what are the, the, the tools that WNBA players have to kind of balance that, although those two things are extremely important, uh, the outcome and the process is, is very different? Sure. Um, so I think our efforts around um, bringing awareness to Brianna Taylor's story um, I give a lot of credit to our Social Justice Council and to the Executive Committee for organizing our posts and making sure that, um, you know, in our own Angel McCautry getting, uh, having the idea to have Brianna Taylor's name on the back of the jersey, the more visibility and I think the more that we were talking about it and being able to connect with groups like Say Her Name and the African American uh, Policy Forum, those have been um, incredible learning experiences for us. And if that's something that we've been able to pass on to the public um, through our play, then, um, you know, it's, it's credit to everyone who's worked really hard to make sure that we say her name. Um, voting is another pillar of our social justice um, season. And it's about recognizing that while voting should be, you know, it's a very fundamental right, but it's, it has not historically been extended to everyone. Um, and it's not always easy. And so, yes, I think there's a lot, I think that there's a lot of motivation to show up at the ballot box. Um, the thing is that by state, all of these rules vary. And in a atmosphere of a pandemic, um, we just want to make sure that everyone is, is ready so that when, um, you know, they're motivated to cast their ballot, that they have a plan, they know what they need to do, no matter where they live. 
So I think they go hand in hand. It's about bringing awareness to all of our fans. This is information that's not always readily available. And it's about partnering, partnering with great organizations like Rock the Vote um, or the African American Policy Forum um, so that we're deepening our education and then just passing that along. And I'm glad that that's shown up um, throughout the course of the season. Carolyn, what percent of the ACEs are registered to vote? 100% of the ACEs are registered to vote. And so again, I mentioned that Carolyn Swords also talked about Breonna Taylor. Myself and other reporters asked a lot of athletes on Tuesday about the grand jury. I'm going to give you some resources, let you know a little bit of uh, the facts and, and bullet points, and then we'll hear from players and coaches about the Breonna Taylor grand jury decision that came down earlier this week. When I dedicated one of my two shows to social justice, and I mentioned this last episode, I wasn't really sure how things would pan out. And I, I guess I should say I, I wasn't sure because a lot of times we see sports leagues will focus on social justice for, as a one-off. Um, and it, it's the same really when it comes to breast cancer awareness or cancer awareness overall and um, Pride Week or Pride Month. It's, it's these very tertiary level, I think I said that right, very surface level um, conversations or impact. The WNBA has been so unique in that um, there's really been a, a lot more attached. And so I'm going to talk about the Breonna Taylor grand jury indictment. Um, but also, I want to talk about what happens from here. And you might remember when I did Social Justice Thursdays right after the settlement was announced, you heard players saying, you know what, good for the family, they deserve that and more. However, this isn't the justice that we have been seeking. And I noticed for game two of the Las Vegas Aces Connecticut Sun game that um, Tanisha Wright, assistant coach, former WNBA player, now assistant coach with the Aces, um, she had a shirt that said something akin to still seeking justice for Breonna Taylor. And we saw that Natasha Howard had a similar shirt on. A lot of media picked up on that. And that's because, again, after the settlement, even before the grand jury uh, announcement, the WNBA players were all on the same page that they were not satisfied and that they dedicated the season to the arrest of the officers involved. The grand jury decided that the only indictment that would come down was for one of the officers, the officer that was already fired, for wanton endangerment. And I'm going to read from the New York Times, wanton endangerment. Um, and this is Brett Han Hankison. Three counts of wanton endangerment in the first degree. This is a felony that carries a sentence of up to five years in prison for each count, if found guilty. Um, so wanton endangerment, uh, Wanton endangerment is basically that the actions of the officer were uh, dangerous to, as the New York Times writes, the, uh, 
the three people in an apartment next to Miss Taylor's. So Daniel Cameron, the Kentucky Attorney General, who will now oversee the prosecution of Mr. Hankinson, said he had been charged with the crimes because the grand jury believed that the shots he had fired endangered three people in an apartment next to Miss Taylor's. So the charges of three counts of wanton endangerment are not even directly related to the injuries that Breonna Taylor's boyfriend suffered or her death. And it's, it's really just exhausting um, at this point. But don't take my word for it. Um, I want to play clips from, um, as I mentioned, Carolyn Swords. You heard a little bit from her. I want to play clips from Bill and Beer. Now, Gary and Bill have two very different approaches in how to, for lack of a better term, deal with um, the potential distraction, also doesn't seem right, but the emotion that can come from um, such news uh, during a season dedicated to social justice that also happens to be in the middle of the semifinals. So, I'm actually going to start there. Let's start with Gary and Bill, two coaches' perspectives uh, of the one seed and the two seed, uh, the Las Vegas Aces and the Seattle Storm. And here's first what Bill had to say about how he's handling the news with his team and then Gary Kloppenberg. Yeah, uh, Coach Sandra, I know you were at practice, but there was an announcement about um, the, the uh, in, regarding the Brianna Taylor situation how do you or do you talk to your team about this? Because I, I feel there's going to be some disappointment, even some grief and anger about it. Um, do, you, do you talk to the players about that? And just, uh, I guess you, just your thoughts on that. No, I don't, actually. Um, you know, it's never really been discussed amongst the players and the coaching staff. Uh, the players have made it very clear their, their feelings throughout the course of the season. Uh, but, no, it's not, we're about ba- ba- basketball. When we come to the gym, and uh, the players are there, they'll do their social movement. That's who they are, and rightly so. And and but you know, when we get into basketball gym, we keep the basketball. Um, just to follow up on Michelle, I was wondering if you had a reaction to the news that there was no, um, you know, no indictments for murder um, in the charges today for the police officers. Do I have any? No, I really don't. Um, you know, the legal system will take its course. Uh, you know, I, I, I just didn't practice. I came out and yeah. practice. You just mentioned something. So I'm going up to speed on what's all going on. Thank you. As a coach, I, I just wonder how you and your staff have approached this season, knowing that the players, the Players Association, and even the league have really put a premium on having conversations um, about social justice, but that that can be very exhausting, putting aside a 22-game season, as you mentioned, in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we've, we've been all, of, I know I speak probably, I, I speak for all the coaches and, and staffs that were, you know, have been 100% behind the players' message across the board. And, you know, it's, it's um, this is a league of, of black women, you know, that, and then you look at our, in our society, you know, black women in a way are the conscience of this country. If you, if you want to look at, you know, some of the things that really should be, uh, some of the progress that we really need to make, you only need to look, you know, at the, the stances of, of the black women in, in this country, just because I think they, 
you know, they've shouldered a lot through the hundreds of years. I mean, um, and, and I think, uh, you know, it's manifested in this league of young women that have grown up. They, you know, all the players in our league have gone, have lived it, you know, and so um, we've been 100% behind. I'm obviously disappointed in what happened today. I know the players are as well, just, to, you know, and I think that's it pretty much, you know, um, validates why Black Lives Matter because you hear somebody can just break in your door, you know, uh, and, and you're, you're killed and really there's no, very little accountability. So, and that, that's just one incident. You're talking about, you know, through the, through the ages, hundreds, hundreds of incidents like that when no one was held accountable based on, you know, that, um, the racist um, um, values of, of a nation. So, you know, it's disappointing. And, and but we're 100% we're behind our players. I could speak for the coaches and staff in our league. And the next clip I want to play for you is Mercedes Russell uh, reacting to the news. And then we'll follow that up with uh, Natasha Howard. Uh, I want to ask you just a briefly a non basketball question. With the um, announcement today of the, you know, grand jury investigation into the Breonna Taylor um, murder, um, what does that do for the WNBA and the way that you guys um, fought for, say her name, Breonna Taylor, for this, this whole season? Yeah, well, I think I could speak for most people. It was kind of disgusting to see. Uh, personally, I also felt disgusted, but I feel like we're still going to continue to fight for all women that have been brutally murdered. And I mean, we're going to continue to fight for women, Black women, whatever the case may be, and continue to use our voice and our platform. But what happened today was unreal. I'm real curious what the demographic of the jury was, just to be honest because it truly doesn't make sense. It's frustrating, to be honest, like really frustrating. Like we, like us as black women, we gotta keep fighting, we gotta stick together. We just keep pushing for justice and stuff still. Uh, like, I, like to be honest, I don't know, I really don't know what to say. I'm just like, it's just overwhelming that nothing still haven't happened still for, for Breonna Taylor. So again, the WNBA is committed, as Natasha Howard said, and I think Mercedes Russell as well. There's no indication right now if the players will have something special. Natasha talked about the shirts. Um, so we'll see what happens. It sounds like just as in the NBA, there's no indication that there will be uh, a boycott or a day of reflection or anything to that end. Um, so... We should see games, um, and we'll see what happens. I do want to read again from the New York Times um, because they have this quote that they pulled from Lasia Clarendon. I uh, wrote a story on her for The Athletic. You should go check that out. Um, but Lasia Clarendon, they tweeted something, and the uh, 
the New York Times picked it up. So this is now me reading from the New York Times. The WNBA dedicated its season to Miss Taylor. Players wore her name on their jerseys, held moments of silence, and supported the Say Her Name campaign meant to keep her case in the public eye. Quote, We time and time again hope for a sliver of justice, but why would we get that when the system is designed to protect the very folks that are murdering and terrorizing us? Lasia Clarendon of the New York Liberty, who is a member of the WNBA Social Justice Council, wrote on Twitter on Wednesday, it isn't a bad apple, it's a rotten tree. So there you go. Uh, I think we'll see more of this conversation the players are are talking about it in media scrums and honestly more reporters are asking uh more reporters are asking about that and that's how you start momentum that's how you have conversation um and so i want to leave you with a rookie from australia for the seattle storm Ezzy Magnagor, and she is talking about how the season dedicated to social justice opened her eyes to how things about racism are different in the United States and, and how she can take that knowledge and apply it to a lot of the negative and horrific history that exists when it comes to the Aboriginal um, community and the Aboriginal people, um, those native to Australia, and that that really dark history. So here's Ezzy before how we close this show. season in the WNBA has perhaps prepared you personally to have conversations about very specific uh, statutes, laws, um, and 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 policies that are. Um, from a country that, 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 you know, that you're not from. I mean, I'm, I'm just curious what that has been like as far as the, the education that goes along with the advocacy. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, it has been a season like no other, but I think, um, you know, being surrounded by, you know, strong black athletes, black females has been something that I, you know, haven't been a part of, um, you know, growing up in Australia, um, you know, not being surrounded by that. So that's been an experience in itself. But to, I guess, hear, the, hear them use their voices every day, using their platforms, that's giving me, that has given me confidence to continue to use mine, whether it's, you know, here or when I, when I go back to Australia, because there are still injustices in Australia that need to be addressed. Um, so I guess using the, my platform hasn't always come easy to me and using my voice hasn't always come easy to me. So I think, over the last few months, um, it's been great, you know, for me in this position to just kind of um, just look around and kind of learn um, from everyone and how they're using their voices. And then hopefully I'll be able to implement that um, into the future. So, yeah, it's, it's been, you know, great to be surrounded by strong females um, throughout the league. Thank you. Well, um, next we've got a question from... Alex, uh, go ahead, Alex. Hey, Ezzy. I was curious, related to that, that last question, um, as you've kind of been talking to your teammates about all of these different issues related to social justice, have there been any moments where you realize, like, oh, you know, things are different in the U.S. compared to Australia? Like, what, a, what have been some commonalities or differences in kind of talking to your teammates about their experiences of growing up Black in America? 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think with the differences, I think, you know, the injustices and racism in America is quite um, blatant and it's more obvious and apparent and it's, I guess, you know, it's everywhere at the moment. And I guess in Australia, it's not as obvious. Um, but I think, you know, over the last few months, it's um, it's become something in Australia that has, you know, been um, known to be an issue. And I think a lot of people are starting to use their voices in Australia as well. And I think that's kind of coming off the back of um, this, you know, the whole Black Lives Matter movement. And I think it's great to see that it not only um, is happening in America, but Australia as well. And I think, you know, being an Australian and, you know, playing in the WNBA, um, I've kind of, I kind of have to use my voice in both countries. Um, but I think, you know, there are similar similarities with, you know, obviously the Indigenous Australians um, and how they've been treated and marginalised. And I think with both um, countries, education is key because I know a lot of people, you know, I don't know how many Americans know about the Indigenous Australians and what has been going on there. So I think just wherever you are, being able to educate yourself so then when you do get the chance to speak, um, you know, you know what you're talking about and therefore you're able to educate others, um, you know, around you as well. And finally, the reason that, one of the reasons that I want to continue to have a social justice episode as part of Locked On Women's Basketball is because we have to get uncomfortable. And I want to shout out Black Girl Hockey Club. They have a Get Uncomfortable campaign. Uh, This is a campaign to disrupt racism on and off the ice. So this is hockey related and make hockey welcoming for everyone. And they're asking people to sign and take this pledge. And for hockey, I think that that's a necessary first step. But in basketball, particularly those of us who are locked in, if you will, to women's basketball, we must do more than pledges because the WNBA players have already created the blueprint for us between, again, what they've announced today when it comes to the campaign that is Hooper's Register to Vote. There's a voter registration and education that's been happening. Um, that is something that they're now unified with other with the overall basketball community, but that, again, Carolyn Swords was integral in bringing to the WNBA two years ago, four years ago, the Minnesota Lynx wore shirts. And I talked about this with Renee on Locked on Wizards. Four years ago, the Minnesota Lynx wore shirts that read, change starts with us. Change starts with us. So this isn't new and we're beyond pledges. We need to register to vote. We need to take the census and we need to be serious about educating ourselves and turning that education into action. And so, yes, I love Black Girl Hockey Club. I love the idea of getting uncomfortable, but a pledge is only the start. The the commitment to being uncomfortable is not just to sign your name on a digital copy, is to get up out of your seat and to do something, to ask questions, to commit resources, financial or otherwise, to make the world different and to eradicate racism. So I hope that you're uncomfortable at times when we're doing these uh, Thursday shows. I also hope that you sit within your own thoughts 
while also listening to the reflections of others, in this case, WNBA players, because we need to not be limited by only our own experiences. Because some of us have never experienced racism. But just because you haven't experienced racism doesn't mean it does not exist. And I think Gary Kloppenberg said it so well to the point where I'm actually going to close the show with this again. If you want to know how to be progressive, particularly in the United States, I would argue around the world, follow, listen to, respect, hire black women. That's another thing Renee Hess of Black Girl Hockey Club says all the time that I love to champion. Hire black women. Because we're always at the forefront, always at the front line, and somehow are disregarded and disrespected and shunned when it comes to the, the, the true history, when we like to celebrate things that have come. Black women, unfortunately, don't get their flowers in real time, as they say. So I'm going to close out the show. My name again, Erica Lindsay Ayala, your Tuesday, Thursday host of Locked on Women's Basketball. Not only was I on with Renee Washington of Locked on Wizards for today, Thursday, but I'm going to be on again tomorrow. And if you liked this conversation about social justice, then you're definitely going to want to listen to Renee and I chop it up. Um, It was a pleasure and a joy, a delight to be on Renee's show. And we have so many amazing people throughout the Locked On network. So we appreciate you. We want you to make sure that you are subscribing so you're getting all of this great stuff that's happening on and off the ice, on and off the court. I will be back next week. But as promised, I want to reiterate and I will play again what Gary Kloppenberg said about black women, thus his players, when it comes to being on the right side of history and movement building. You know, it's, it's, um, this is a league of, of black women, you know, that and then you look at our, in our society, you know, black women in a way are the conscience of this country, if you if you want to look at, you know, some of the things that really should be, uh, some of the progress that we really need to make, you only need to look, you know, at the, the stances of, of the black women in, in this country. Just because I think they've, you know, they've shouldered a lot through the hundreds of years. I mean, um, and, and I think uh, you know it's manifested in this league of young women that have grown up. They, you know, all the players in our league have gone, have lived it. 